Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast and for this episode we have a very special guest with us Mr Yogesh Manwikar who is the associate vice president and head of learning and organization development at Zensa Technologies Hi Yogesh thank you for joining us Hi Achit thank you for having me it's a real pleasure Likewise so to begin with could you please take us through your career journey so far Sure So I have uh, close to around 20 years of experience I've been working in the areas of learning leadership development talent management organization development and consulting in terms of education I completed my bachelor's in engineering and then went on to complete my MBA in terms of professional experience I started my journey with Airtel as a part of their core team which set up uh, their operations in western region I then moved on to AC Nielsen it's a research based consulting firm i led their consulting and research practice for south asia pacific and middle east regions i worked on some great assignments with global majors across a diverse set of industries i then joined lnt infotech or lti as it's known now uh, led their leadership development and talent management efforts globally while the organization was scaling up i had a great enriching stint with them I now work with Zensar it's a digital experience and technology solutions company and I lead the global efforts on learning and organization development which is focused on human capital transformation culture building change management and making the organization ready for the future beyond work helping people achieve their full potential is really close to my heart uh, I also had the privilege to author a personal development book called maximum results which went on to become a number one bestseller on Amazon in many countries so that's about me in a nutshell congratulations for having a bestseller to your name and at the same time you've had a long journey and has been very fulfilling as i can hear from whatever you're telling so congratulations on that on that and way to go i must say it shouldn't stop in any way and you should continue thriving as we all should continue thriving as we are so kudos to that So my next question to you is how do you think the business dynamics have been changing in today's time with changes taking place in the work culture and how organizations function today I think that's a great question uh, to understand the dynamics within we first need to also look at the changes which are happening in the external environment in which these businesses operate in, right so the first element there is the pace at which things are happening uh, we would have observed there are major number of events which are happening in quick succession in the recent past we had the covid pandemic followed by the russia ukraine war we had a series of natural calamities in turkey syria and the middle east and then we witnessed the collapse of some very large banks now what this tells us is the rate of change has become very very rapid whether it is a radical innovation or things becoming obsolete uh, which puts lot of pressure on companies because they have to constantly adapt to these changes as things are moving along the second key element is the lack of predictability of outcomes 
earlier the forecasting models could very closely predict when an economy would go into recession when the next boom will come but now given the geopolitical dynamics it has become very very difficult to accurately predict the outcomes even to some fair extent the third element is interconnectedness you might wonder if i tell you that wildfires in indonesia are really burning a hole in your pocket you might think how is that even possible right so let me elaborate on that example a little more indonesia as we know is one of the largest producers of palm oil across the globe and palm oil is a key ingredient in all the packaged food products that we consume now over the years the production capacity has increased and it has also benefited the country but given the surge in the demand of palm oil the producers which are farmers in indonesia are lighting fires in the forest lands to clear the land for plantation and these fires end up becoming wildfires and becoming uh, and it's very difficult for the government to control these wildfires which is also leading to a lot of climate change a lot of these factors have led the government of indonesia to curb down the exports of palm oil which has led to global shortage and the prices of packaged foods has gone up significantly now what this tells us is that the entire globe is very interconnected now what happens in one part of the world will significantly impact the other parts as well in ancient times we used to see there would be soldiers on top of the forts or citadels who would ring a bell to notify others as warning or danger nowadays the bells are always ringing right the businesses are working under tremendous external pressures as we know it i completely agree with what you said i mean it was a great example as you quoted i mean how something which is happening at one part of the world is going to have ramifications across the globe and we have sort of seen that in the recent times itself so yes i completely completely agree with what you said so um, as we are talking about what changes have been taking place in the environment how things have been shifting so what are some shifts that you think are going to shape the talent market for today and for the times to come because that is also very important considering that how important human resources for every organization right so the talent market as we know archit is constantly evolving so it's very difficult to really put a finger on predicting this is how it will be but what we definitely can do is to look at some of these factors which are shaping these changes right and while there are multiple trends at play these also vary by industry and geography but i see three key distinct trends which will have a significant impact on organizations in the near future the first one is the rise of hybrid ways of working post the covid pandemic we saw organizations being more open uh, in terms of exploring the hybrid ways of working the big advantage there was that organizations could tap into a global talent pool which was earlier not possible the second big advantage was that organizations are able to make significant cost savings in terms of infrastructure and facilities management but things are not all that positive there is a significant disconnect between employees and employers when it comes to hybrid ways of working and whether hybrid really enhances or impacts productivity a recent microsoft survey that i saw stated that 87% of employees that they surveyed reported that they were productive whereas only 12% of the leaders who were surveyed said that they had full confidence that their teams were productive 
Now, what this tells us is there is a very big gap between the perception of uh, or the perception around benefits of hybrid ways of working amongst employers on one side and employees on the other. There is a missing link of trust, which is very, very significant between these two parties. Now, what is it that companies can do to address this? Uh, very clearly, a mindset shift is required on both the sides. Organizations need to be a little more open, a little more trustworthy towards the employees when it comes to letting them work in a hybrid way. The employees also need to acknowledge the benefits that uh, physical ways of working brings in, right? So both the parties need to kind of meet somewhere in the middle. The second key element uh, in terms of what organizations can do is to define what does flexibility really mean for them? What does it mean for their context? Uh, and the conversations around return to office or return to work has to start from that context rather than saying that everyone has to come back, right? Uh, the third key element, which we have also experienced in our organization, which has really worked very well, is to co-create. Create employee groups, make them a part of the discussions and decision-making process around hybrid workplaces, and co-create the policies, programs, practices with them. That will lead to a much higher acceptance of uh, the, the, the overall efforts around hybrid Right. That's the first shift. Let's go to the second shift. The second shift that I see is a very significant one. And it's a very silent one as well. Is this a shift in mental models? Post-COVID, we observed a phenomena called as great resignation. And you would have also heard about the term called as great reconsideration, which was the core cause of why we saw waves of resignations across industries and organizations. What great reconsideration meant was employees were reconsidering their life and career goals, their priorities, their expectations from employers, which also ended up making them question their loyalty and tenure with their employers. Now, what we have observed in the last one and a half to two years really poses a question on relevance of our existing employee agreements, the way organizations are structuring their compensation structures, the way the benefits uh, are structured for their employees. Now, this may need some bit of reflection and changes as we move along, because I don't think the way things are structured right now will remain relevant as we move along. The second key trend which is on the rise is stress at workplaces. A recent Deloitte survey highlighted that 46% of Gen Zs and 38% of millennials reported that they were stressed most of the time. And that's not an encouraging statistic by any means, right? So organizations need to account for workplace stress as well. While we keep hearing a lot about human experience, I think the real shift which is required is to make it more humane and not just limited to human, right? Uh, what else can companies do to address this shift? I think more importantly, ask your employees and really listen to them. While almost all organizations have one or the other mechanism, or whether it is engagement surveys, it is pulse surveys, uh, employee focus groups, to bring in those insights on a continuous basis. What's really important is to listen to act 
and not just listen because it's a fad or it's a growing trend right that's where you create that confidence in employing i'm not just being asked on how am i feeling but the company is going to do something to make it better uh, the second key area that organizations can address is constantly keep on increasing their focus on holistic wellness lot of organizations are doing it which is a great thing and that trend has to continue the third element that i'll highlight here is uh, the unspoken power of talent analytics there is lot of data which organizations already have with them probably not every organization is able to mine it very effectively it's a very rich source of insights on how people are feeling thinking what are they wanting and if we are able to leverage those insights well a lot of these challenges and lot of these changes which are coming up can be predicted and worked upon much in advance let me talk about the third key shift and that is the changing talent demographic india is set to overtake china as the most populous country and it just doesn't mean more people at the workplace but it is going to lead to a very significant shift in the demographic it's not just limited to india and china but there are different trends around this across the globe there are a lot of european and western countries in which there is they are witnessing an aging population a lot of countries are also revising their retirement age upwards which means that people have to work much longer for them to become eligible for employee benefits or retirement benefits so as to say now what this means is as we move along further a couple of years we're going to witness much higher generational diversity as compared to the previous decades at workplaces and this is going to continue growing it will keep creating this wide gap wherein we'll need to manage people across multiple generations and age groups and that's going to pose a very significant challenge not just because people are from different age groups but the way they see workplaces the way they perceive their engagement with organizations that's going to change younger generations are a lot more aware they're a lot more vocal in terms of expressing their thoughts they're not afraid to share their point of view and i don't think managers in or managers of the previous generations are very well equipped to deal with that right there's still a certain way of working that prevails in a lot of organizations which may act as a very significant challenge so what is very key is to think about how do we make the workplace very equitable when it comes to generational diversity when it comes to age diversity irrespective of the location that you are in now going back to what can organizations do to address this change i think first and foremost it's very critical to call out what is your employee value proposition which is very distinct which is very authentic which is very unique to you which addresses this specific element the second key area that organizations can work on is walking the talk when it comes to diversity and inclusion i know a lot of companies are talking about how it is important they put on plans but we need to really make in an effort to move away from a compliance mindset on diversity to making it more integrated and sustainable doing few things but doing those very well when it comes to diversity initiatives which are very contextual and relevant to your organization's context will be the key the last bit is equipping managers 
to lead this change in demography it may come naturally to some but it may not to some others and how do we create a standard uniform workplace experience which gets enabled by the frontline managers will be very very important in the new workplace really agree with all the points that you mentioned and say very well explained like you sort of touched given it a 360 degree view because you literally touched every point that we are seeing uh, today at workplaces be it stress at work be it the hybrid mode or be it, uh, how you know people or talent of today function Uh, so as we're talking about talent that you mentioned uh, Deloitte study said that uh, you know a huge percentage of people said that they are stressed at work so at certain times organizations or the managers the leaders could feel that you know retaining talent is a little difficult or they need proper policies in place which is very essential at the same time so what according to you defines a game changing talent strategy and how should organizations go about developing their talent in my view a good talent strategy should enable three key distinct outcomes the first one is create an ecosystem where everyone can thrive irrespective of their roles their functions their backgrounds so on and so forth the second key outcome is to make the organization future ready we spoke about all the changes that businesses are going through and it makes relevance the new currency of the future the third key distinct outcome is enabling positive and sustainable business growth now can just a talent strategy lead to all of these three outcomes it can but not in isolation there are various factors that influence these outcomes which also need to be accounted for now let's spend a missing lot of investments in automation which is leading to a reduction in redundancies at work we're seeing a lot of media reports which are reporting that lot of jobs will be taken away or will be replaced by automation or machine learning in the near future the second key factor is the rise of ai chat gpt has suddenly uh, come to the fore and changing the game lot of new tools are coming in but that's an area which we don't fully understand yet we are also witnessing the way the skills are getting developed and needed that's changed the skills needed to succeed in the future are very very rapidly changing and it's becoming very difficult to also predict what will be that new skill set which will be required in the future while hybrid ways of working has opened up a new talent pool for the organizations the key question still remains does this new pool of talent have the right set of skills which are required to succeed right now and also in the future so if you see essentially skills are becoming the fulcrum of the talent strategy to the second part of the question what can organizations do to develop this talent like we saw skills are becoming the fulcrum of the talent strategy so it has to be around skills and there has to be a lot of focus on skill building organizations need to assess what are those near term shifts in their businesses earlier it was easier to predict basis a 3 year or a 5 year forecast but now with so many things changing those forecasts may not really be very relevant and hence i'm suggesting that looking at near term shifts may be more and more relevant how and baking these shifts into your workplace or workforce planning efforts that's the key another key effort that organizations can take is examining your work structure and workflows because that will help you identify what is the optimal combination of human efforts versus automation not everything can be automated as well right 
and the last bit is identifying the right upskilling and reskilling efforts which are in line with the business strategy and then constant upskilling programs will help reduce this risk of a skill mismatch and will ensure that organizations are not really caught off guard when things change very rapidly so that's in my view what organizations can do in terms of putting a very robust talent strategy amazing point of view i must say and i am sure that our listeners would also agree and sort of a lot of people are already practicing it and those who would want to know would get to know uh, what really lies ahead so my last question to you is like because you're also uh, a learning specialist how should one convince the top management to invest more in learning and development programs and at the same time how can you make sure that these programs work for the actual development of the workforce and is not like a mere completion task as it is usually viewed at the organization these days i think that's the holy grail of learning and development uh, the first question that you asked right so let let me address that uh, how do we convince management uh, according to a recent survey of ceos more than 75% of the ceo said that they were concerned about the availability of key skills and their firm's ability to develop and retain the talent that they need to drive growth so as far as it goes the need for learning and development already exists in the minds of stakeholders we need to tap into that need in a real time basis so to me it's not a question of convincing management they're already convinced what is very important is to understand the right priorities of the business knowing what are those right outcomes that they are expecting and designing appropriate learning and development interventions for delivering those outcomes and hopefully that should put this question at rest on the value that learning and development brings to the table on the second part of the question around development of employees and what's the right approach i see there are two distinct approaches and both have their pros and cons the first one is wherein companies define what the employees need to learn it's a more compliance based approach uh, while employees may do it we don't really know are they really developing the right skills or not the second approach is where it's completely democratic employees decide what they want to learn the organization does not dictate the efforts while the employees will be very enthusiastic about their own learning plans but the question is will it help the company in its growth so to me the answer to the problem lies somewhere in the middle a hybrid of these two approaches wherein the company can define what are those key areas that it requires to align and drive the growth efforts and employees are given the choice on what they want to learn within these boundary conditions with a defined construct and it helps meet both these needs effectively uh, you can ensure that people are learning the right skills and employees also feel that they are empowered to decide what they want to learn and that's a win win situation we have done the same at zensar and it has worked really well for us yeah i i'm happy to know that that organizations today have sort of become you know aware of the fact that okay we should also give some sort of autonomy to the employees that they can also decide okay what learnings or what they actually would want to learn rather than just imposing it on them as we say that okay these are certain tasks that you need to complete before this date and you know you should get done with it today or even employees are themselves very enthusiastic that okay this is something that could help me you know down the line it could be for the promotion it could be for anything it could be for maybe having a better understanding of work that they are doing 
so i think we have come a long way for that in that and uh, let's see what lies ahead so uh, with this we come to the end of this podcast thank you so much yogesh for joining in for sharing your amazing point of views on all these topics and thank you for taking time thank you it's a pleasure to be here thanks to you for a very interesting conversation thank you and thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode